On this episode of Narcissist Apocalypse Q&A, we discuss the top 10 reasons why an abusive partner doesn't want to change. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse Q&A, everyone. I am Brandon Chadwick, and today we are going to discuss the benefits an abuser gets from their abusive behavior. But before we get to that, if you want to be a guest on our Survivor Story episodes, please do go to our website at NarcissistApocalypse.com. Top of the page, there's a button that says Guest Form. When you click on that button, it takes you to our Guest Form page. There you can read all of our instructions and either send us an email at NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com or fill out our Guest Form and press the Submit button. And please do send it in the format that we ask for. So today we are going to be discussing the benefits an abuser gets from their abusive behavior, why it is desirable to them, what are the rewards, and how do these things get reinforced. And the information today is coming from Lundy Bancroft's book, Why Does He Do That? It is a wonderful book. We've done episodes from parts of this book before, so please go buy this book. It is a very good book for anyone who is experiencing abuse and is trying to figure out what is going on, or even in the aftermath, to to really understand what has happened and who you are dealing with in the who, what, where's, and why's of everything. So here is an example from a Why Does He Do That by Lundy Bancroft, and it's all about the setting that happens in the kitchen, about abusive behavior that happens, and then the next time they're in this kitchen in the exact same scenario. So in this example, a a parent, and most likely the husband, is having dinner with their spouse and kids. The abuser is irritable, criticizing everybody during the meal. And when the abuser finishes eating, they leave the table abruptly. And then someone at the table might say to the, to the parent, hey, can you help wash the dishes? Today is your day to wash the dishes. And a rage starts. The abuser starts raging. Uh, belittling can happen at this point. Threats can happen at this point. Physical aggression might happen, like raised fists. Maybe things get knocked over or thrown uh, from the table. Maybe a salt shaker, maybe a plate. Everyone in the room at this point is very scared of the reaction of the abuser. And the message is sent at this moment to everyone at that table, the spouse and the children, that, you know, you shouldn't ask me to do things that I don't want to do. So next time that a sit-down meal does occur like this, you know, last time the abuser left the table and someone challenged them saying, hey, it's your turn to wash the dishes. This time the abuser will leave the table like they did the 
the week before, the time before, when they are done eating, except this time no one says anything. No one says, hey, you should help wash the dishes. This is your day to wash the dishes. Because last time that happened, it was very loud and clear that the abuser will not and did not want to do the dishes at all. They just wanted to have their dinner, enjoy someone who made them their dinner, and they didn't want anything to do with it after the fact. They didn't want that responsibility. They just wanted to live their life the way that they wanted to live their life No one should ask them to do what they don't want to do. And because of the first reaction, no one really will ever challenge that again unless a lot of time passes where there's been this quiet period. Then eventually something like that might be asked again. But it's really setting the stage here because the abuser is creating this lifestyle of privilege by using their abusive behaviors to control you and to manipulate you into accepting their privilege as the way of the world and challenging that privilege has consequences. And in, in relationships, once this power has been there, they, they can really do anything they, they want with it. And they've created this privilege for themselves and they want to keep that privilege going because they like that feeling. So over time, an abuser grows to really enjoy these privileges that they have. So now I'm going to list off the top 10 reasons from Lundy Bancroft's book, Why Does He Do That?, as far as the reasons why they don't want this privileged behavior to stop, the things that they are getting from it. So number one on the list is the intrinsic satisfaction of power and control. So for an abuser, it is a rush to feel the power that they wield. The actual feeling that they get from dominating another person, it makes them feel important. And it can be a feeling of relief for others from past traumas or current dilemmas in their life. So something might be going on at work and they take it out on everybody at home because that makes them get some relief from everything else that is going on. You know, we hear a lot that abusers will try and blame a lot of things that go on because of their past traumas as an excuse. So it isn't a lie that they are dealing with past traumas. And the difference is that a lot of people deal with their past traumas, but they don't use that as an excuse to abuse people. And a lot of time with their past traumas, they are acting out on other people to get this feeling of relief. And they're giving themselves this excuse uh, so they don't have to take any responsibility for their actions while blaming you know, everything on, on somebody else. And number two on the list is an abuser is getting their way, especially when it matters to them uh, the most. And when we think about relationships and a healthy relationship, we think about a healthy relationship will have cooperation, a healthy relationship will have compromise. You know, there's a meeting in the middle, there's negotiations between two people about their different types of needs and desires and their preferences, and there's a working on that. So everyone gets to feel heard, everyone gets to feel that their needs are being met, and there's just this meeting between the two. But when you're in an abusive relationship, number two on this list is that 
they will do their best to get their way, especially when it matters most. And that can be who are we spending Christmas with, my family or your family. Uh, these are the regular kind of questions that people would, you know, try to figure out a, a good meeting in the middle with. Are we going? Are we going to be eating out tonight at a restaurant? Whose restaurant is it? Your favorite restaurant? Are we going to go to my favorite restaurant, or am I tired? Do I want to go out uh, at all? Things like that. You know, there's a compromise of you know meeting in the middle, discussing everyone's desires and, and, and needs. These are, you know, day-to-day decisions that the relationship depends on and your happiness depends on and, you know, your ability to get your needs heard and taken seriously happen within these really small questions, but they are everyday questions. And, you know, your relationship is built around the compromise and the being heard and everyone having their needs met uh, about these things, that there's a balance going on. However, if these decisions are taken over by an abusive or controlling experience, you know, you're just going to not get heard. You're going to be disappointed, a constant self-sacrificing of your needs, while on the other hand, the abuser is just going to enjoy the relationship. They think this relationship is the best. They're living this relationship of privilege. It's a relationship of luxury where they barely have to compromise. And they always get to do the thing that they enjoy. They always get to make the decisions of, you know, if I'm tired, we're not going out. You know, if we're going out to dinner, we're going to my favorite place. You know, they don't have to do any of that compromise. And if generosity is extended, because that actually could happen, a compromise could happen, they are generally very low level things that they will compromise on. They will never compromise on something that is a big, big, big decision. So it will be generally something that is very low level. And a lot of times they might do that in front of friends or family. So those people might see them as being a good guy. So they might actually do these things in public where people can see these things. And, you know, the perception of them, the facade of them can be seen by someone else as, oh, this is a, a good guy. They don't realize what's going on behind closed doors. And when this happens, you know, the abuser ends up with the benefits of being in this relationship there's no sacrifices going on at all. And this is a very privileged lifestyle that they are living. And of course, they're not going to want to give that up. So number three on Lundy Bancroft's list is someone to take their problems out on. And we kind of touched on that already. But when it comes to the abusive person, they, they're entitled and they want to use their partner as, you know, a dumping ground. And so whatever kind of is going on, frustrations, ordinary kind of dilemmas that are going on in life with work, etc., they want to just dump all of that on you. And you and your kids are always this target. And you are easy to blame because 
you know, no one is perfect in this world. So there's, they're trying to find something where there is an imperfection kind of going on. It's easy to find that if you're looking hard enough. And the most difficult part of this is even if you try to kind of fight back against this dumping or, or the, this, these problems that are being taken out on you, it will most likely only make matters uh, worse. And in a lot of abusive situations, a lot of gaslighting goes on where an abuser really starts to get into the mind games of everything, sows the seeds of doubt within you to really start believing that, you know, maybe you do deserve these things. Maybe you have done something wrong that you aren't a perfect person, you know, coming into a lot of these relationships, we hear people saying that like, you know, nobody is perfect. This belief might already kind of be instilled at you. So when someone is really kind of showing you that you aren't perfect and blaming you for things, you might start to agree, especially if they really start to reinforce that. And it's a a big thing that kind of goes on and an abuser feels that they are entitled to do so. And when you try to stop them from doing it, it just kind of snowballs and continues that, that rage continues and then really becomes normalized at a certain point. And number four on this list is free labor, a free life of leisure for the abuser. So an abuser most likely does not share an equal amount of work in the relationship at all. So this means that they take advantage of their partner's hard work in keeping the house clean, preparing meals, caring for children, managing so many things about the house life, the kids life, but also managing, you know, the other person's life. And, you know, tending to their needs and being their assistant. And we hear a lot when it comes to the demand man type of abuser in Lundy Bancroft's list, that if you don't do the things that they deem you should be doing for them, that is their responsibility, you know, all of a sudden that becomes a really big problem. Few abusers carry their weight at all And at the same time, they'll exploit you emotionally. They kind of suck you dry of attention, nurturing, support at all. And you might get breadcrumbed here or there to kind of give you the feeling that they might care. But, you know, the emotional help and support as well is not there. And we hear this a lot specifically when someone does have children with an abuser that once that happens, like they are all alone. The abuser is kind of gone from the situation as far as help. The person who is the victim survivor of this abuse is really, you know, taking care of the kids, taking care of this person's whole entire life while the abuser just does whatever they want to do. And this is uncompensated labor on top of everything. So while you are doing this uncompensated labor, they're going out golfing with their friends. They're watching sports on TV. They're, you know, writing the next um, great American novel. And if you even 
say something about it. You might be called lazy. If even if the house isn't in tip top shape and they're doing nothing, they might start nitpicking you at all of those little things that might not be clean to even further this type of abuse. And all this time, it, it has to be the most infuriating thing, maddening thing, exhausting thing when your abuser isn't contributing at all and you are doing everything and there's just no acknowledgement of it at all. The frustration that must come from you must make you just boil over in anger and it's confusing at the same time because most likely the person you started uh, dating or married might have been, you know, at that time, you know, a good partner and now this has happened and, you know, the abuser just comes and goes as they please and even occasionally some abusers rarely go home at all using, you know, the house really pretty much as like a base station that they're going to refuel at and then they're going to go back into the world as if no one in that house uh, exists at all, even though they're the ones that are making their life very easy and comfortable. And again, why would an abuser want to lose this lifestyle? Just another reason why they abuse to live this very, very comfortable life. So number five on the list is being the center of attention with priority given to the abuser's needs. So this is something we've already kind of mentioned, but specifically this has to do with the victim and that the victim now has been abused for so long and they've been gaslit, they've been manipulated, that all of their focus now is on the abuser because you don't want any outbursts, you don't want any rage. So you're just trying to figure out ways of how to make their day better, how to soothe them so they won't explode. So if they walk into the house, if the abuser walks into the house, you know, a hypervigilance might be going on about what type of mood they might be in. Before they come home, you might be kind of texting with them to try and figure out what might be going on. So you can kind of create a different environment within the home so there won't be an explosion. You might say to the kids, if you have kids, like, you know, you go to your room and do this, you do this, you know, you come out here, just try and act as happy as possible. You know, you start to minimize what's going on with the kids' moods because the abuser's mood is the one that matters most because they are the center of, of, of attention now. And that's what they want. They want you to have them on their mind all the time. And, you know, if you need to raise an issue with them, you really do it very delicately if you do it at all. But there is very little space for uh, victims of abuse to think about their own life at this point because they are just trying to create the safe space. And that safe space is by making the abuser the center of the attention and their needs the center of attention and everyone else is making themselves very small. And this is a privilege for an abuser to live in a life where everyone is only thinking about them and their needs. And again, you know, once an abuser gets a taste of this and is, is living like this, it's something that has them feel very powerful and it's a form of control and it's a big reason why they are abusive. So number six on this list is financial control. And this can be small, 
things like day-to-day things or big purchases, but a lot of the time a financial controller, you know, might be living a lifestyle that is, you know, a little bit of a, they can buy anything where the family, they're not allowed to buy anything. Or if they do buy something for themselves, they might get uh, shamed or guilted about it, that they did something for themselves. What this other person is really living the life that they want to live. When it comes to financial control, You know, it's very difficult for someone to leave if there is financial control going on. So there's that power dynamic there that is going on. It keeps someone in a relationship longer because they do have nowhere to go when that happens because the finances are not in your favor. You're not allowed to see things that are going on. You have no idea if you even have retirement savings, anything like that. You have no idea what could be in your name or not in your name. You could have debt in your name that you might not even know about. So this financial control goes on. And even if you do end up leaving, you know, part of this financial control can be their ability to hire a lawyer and you can't, they can pursue custody. It's very, very scary. And it's one of the biggest and most terrifying prospects that a an abused woman can face when this happens. And that is number six on Lundy Bancroft's list. And number seven on this list is ensuring that their career and education and goals are prioritized. And this has a lot to do with financial control as well. And... This is just when you know their personal goals are the priority. So if an abuser needs to be out several evenings to study for whatever degree that they're going after, that will improve their job advancement potential, they're going to go out and do that. And if a career opportunity for them involves moving to a new state, you know, they're likely going to really ignore the impact of that decision on uh, the abuse victim and their goals are their priority all the time. And if you as the abuse victim have goals or have priorities, depending on the different types of of abusers, some abusers won't want you to further your education. Uh, They won't want you to have a career because they want to isolate you. They want to financially control you. They might not want you to prioritize that at all. And then some abusers might allow you to have goals that that you want to advance. But if you do, they can't interfere with what's going on in their life. So if you want to go to take a school program, uh, you can take that as long as it doesn't interfere in taking care of all of their needs and taking care of the home because they don't want to take care of the kids. They don't want to do all of those things. So that is number seven on this list and it's an entitlement and it's a privilege that they want you know, to do whatever they want as far as their goals and their advancements and you're really secondary to that if at all. And number eight on this list is public status of a partner or being that Disneyland dad that everyone sees without any of the sacrifices. And this is pretty self-explanatory that the abuser 
is often thought of this really fun, loving partner by the outside world, a sweet person, committed dad. You know, they love getting other people tell them how amazing they are. And this is for the relatives that don't see what's going on, the neighbors, uh, other parents at the kids' school might think that of them. Everyone else is not aware of what really is going on behind closed doors. So when they are this kind of center of attention and they aren't doing anything at home at all, they really have to do these just tiny things in front of other people and they get this gratification as if they are this amazing person, even though they are doing none of the work. And if you're getting that gratification and people admiring you or giving you praise for that, that is this really huge entitlement and manipulation and this privilege that has been created by them within the context of this abusive relationship. And it's one of you know the reasons why they continue to abuse, because that's a really nice feeling that they're getting, even though they're not earning it in any sort of way. And number nine on this list by Lundy Bancroft is the approval of their friends and relatives. And this is for like-minded people who might be abusive as well. And it's their own little cheerleading squad that they have a cheerleader for these situations, but they can also cheerlead others. And there's part of this little pack. So an abuser often chooses friends who are supportive of their abusive attitudes. And on top of that, they may come from an abusive family. And if you come from one of these kind of abusive family structures, a lot of the time it could be a religious family structure. We hear that a lot in the show. You know, it might be reinforced by the family uh, or that social circle that they are in that what they are doing is good. The way that they are controlling their partner is the right way of doing things. And we hear a lot, you know, quote unquote, putting her in her place, putting your wife in her place. And it's this very patriarchal, misogynistic attitude and behavior. And an abuser might actually bond about how a woman can be uh, irrational, vindictive, etc., etc. So for an, for an abuser within like this specific reason, within this little social circle, not everyone has this, but for some abusers, they do have this where the social environment is reinforcing everything. It's very difficult for them to move away from this because it's being reinforced by others that this is, is right. So if you do renounce this type of abuse, you know, you might not be seen in the same light from your social circle, from the friends who are approving this, or from your family or religious style that are approving this. So this is a big reason why they abuse when someone has a social structure that is built like this. And number 10 on our list is double standards. And this is when an abuser subtly or overtly imposes a system in which there are rules for the victim and then there are rules for them. In arguments, if you know they scream, it's okay. But if you raise your voice just a tiny bit, you are called hysterical. 
when it comes to time. You know, their time is worth everything. And if you want time for yourself to do something, that doesn't matter. That is a double standard. Their time is worth something. Your time is not. They might be able to point out your faults, but you are not allowed to point out their faults. They like to set themselves up to be above criticism. And if you are set up above criticism, then they don't have to deal with your complaints or be confronted with the effects of their behavior, their selfishness, their destructive actions. So the abusive person here really has the privilege of living by a special set of criteria that was designed by them just for them, where you're not allowed to really question anything that they are doing, but you can be questioned about everything else that is going on in your life. Again, this is a really big uh, reason why they abuse, because they can just do whatever they want, and they've created this rule system for themselves and then a a different rule system for everyone else. And, you know, to continue to be an abuser uh, gives them this privilege to just, you know, do anything that they want. So everything here today was from the book, Why Does He Do That? by Lundy Bancroft. I think it is a book that everyone should pick up and read. We've had many episodes where we've gone over certain sections of the book, and I hope this helped you out a lot today. And we'll leave the link for the book in our show notes so you can buy the book if you haven't already. And I just want to thank everyone uh, for listening today. And if you want to be a guest on our Survivor Story episodes, please do go to our website at NarcissistApocalypse.com. Top of the page, there's a button that says Guest Form. When you click on that button, it takes you to our Guest Form page. There you can read all of our instructions and either send us an email at NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com or fill out our Guest Form and press the Submit button. And please do send it in the format that we ask for. And also at our website, we have our very own support group. So if you click the support group button at the top of the page, it'll take you to our very own safe social network where we have Zoom meetings every Wednesday night, Thursday afternoons, and Saturday nights. We have forum boards for you to post on and to get the validation that you need and to validate other survivors as well. It's a great group of people in our support group. So please do join our support group today at NarcissistApocalypse.com. And if you need even more support, please do visit our friends at DomesticShelters.org. At DomesticShelters.org, they have articles and resources to help you make sense of what you are going through. They have every phone number, email address, and website address for shelters and agencies. No matter how big or small your town is, DomesticShelters.org has it there. It is a wonderful free resource, so please do visit them today if you need their help and their support. And that is it for today's show. So I just want to thank you for listening to everything today. Hopefully we were helpful and I hope you have a good night.